Hello and welcome to another edition of the Tigers Down Under. I'm your host, Alex, and with me I have Logan. How are you, Logan? Good afternoon, Alex. Yeah, I'm uh, doing pretty well and obviously uh, a very celebratory podcast to be on. I think it's, uh, you know, one of the best games we've seen in in quite some time and uh, I guess we're riding high and uh, daring to believe again, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, the the Facebook chat that we've got going on between all the uh, podcast members was having a bit of a buzz this afternoon, starting to dare to dream of looking up to the playoff places and sort of working out how many points off we are from various positions. And uh, it comes off the back of a brilliant win, as you said, against QPR on the weekend, our first win at home since October, I want to say. Obviously, the World Cup break makes that sound a bit worse (laughs) than it actually is. But uh, 3-0 win, pretty comprehensive. And and really, uh, on the balance of play, one that we really deserve. They didn't really have much of a look in. No, absolutely not. And as, as I said, I think it's probably the most comprehensive performance we've we've seen in, in quite some time. And I know that that can kind of always go with the the fact that we scored three goals and kept a clean sheet. I mean, it's it's fairly hard to find fault in, in that respect. But it wasn't just the, the emphatic performance, but it was just like kind of the manner of, of the way we played. It just it was one of those games that, that never really looked in doubt. And I mean, look, we've spoken before about uh, Liam Rosinha and, and the, the brand of football and the identity that he's trying to bring and in, in, uh, what he, you know, his philosophy at the club. And I think that was a perfect example of, of what it can look like. And I mean, when you see teams like QPR uh, like open up for that, particularly the last goal uh, where Connolly, it was, you know, realistically just the simple long ball from, from Seri over the top and, you know, I, need to see, I, need, I need to find another angle of that because I still don't understand how who was onside. <laughs> it, it felt absurdly offside, didn't it? Except for yeah. the fact that, uh, you know, it, even the fact that they were that kind of mesmerised by what was seemingly just a straight uh, long ball probably speaks into, you know, potentially how tired they were and how much yeah. they'd really struggled with, with the movement that we'd uh, thrown at them all afternoon. So, um, you know, just a, a fantastic uh, game to watch and, it seems, you know, we've we've been singing Oscars praises in the last few weeks, but it seems like there's a new goal scorer in the city ranks emerging. No doubt at all, especially on his uh, 23rd birthday as well. It's a nice way to cap off the birthday celebrations with the two goals and the three points. Um, an- another player who'd actually celebrated his birthday the day before was Callum Elder. It was great to see him get what's, what's a bit of a rare start this season for him. Unfortunately, due to Greaves, um, hopefully not a serious injury. I mean... It's so hard to get a read on on how serious injuries are these days because the the manager or the club will sort of say, oh, yep, it's just a knock or it's a precaution and all of a sudden he's missing the game. Hopefully he's back for Cardiff. Um, But look, Elder was more than capable as a deputy, really stepped in. I thought he was um, one of the standouts on the pitch today, on the weekend as well. Oh, absolutely. And and we know what Callum Elder brings to the championship. I know that we also have our bias in the sense that He's a, a fellow Australian and uh, I guess the investment for us is is a very easy one to have. But, you know, it's not just the fact that, uh, you know, that's that's how we view him. We know that the championship, he's, he's been up there, uh, particularly in the form of assists. Like for a, for a defensive wingback to, to have, uh, you know, created as many goals and, and had his hand, his hand in as many as he has had, um, you know, we know what he brings. And so he's a, he's a more than uh, suitable um, you know, replacement for for anyone across the back line that you know may require it. Yeah, and and the other one that came in, Tufan, uh, coming in for for Coyle into the lineup, uh, 
got the assist slash involvement for that second goal, however you want to view that from the, mm. the own goal. Um, a lot of people sort of have been crying out for Tufan to start in recent weeks. And then obviously as soon as he starts, we, we do get the win at home. There's, there's maybe a little element of, uh, you know, causation versus correlation with that and, and whether he was actually the cause of the win. But how, how did you view it? And, and do you sort of see, uh, you know, City as being a much more dynamic side with him in the lineup or you think it's more a bit of a coincidence? I think it's a difficult one to gauge because it almost feels like when when Tufan signed, or Tufan signed, sorry, uh, at the beginning of the season is we knew that he, he wasn't up to the, the fitness level that I guess was was expected of him. And there was a lot of talk about, oh, wait till he gets fit, wait till he gets fit. But, I mean, in, in so many ways, some of the best football that he played was in those introductory games, um, even though it was for on reduced minutes for a lot of the time. But, you know, he was he was quite prolific and went on that uh, that little stretch of, of knocking in a couple of goals and, and being arguably our, our most kind of uh, dangerous player at the time. So we've seen glimpses of his quality all throughout. And I think that, you know, it's, it's no real question for mine that, if if we've got an entirely fit squad, then he's certainly in the first eleven. And um, you know, I think fans calling for for that to be the case and and to having him start isn't really a surprise to me because we know that when he is fit, that he definitely is a player who um, you know can produce things that aren't often seen at championship level. I mean, you could have a case for him fully fit in in the Premier League squad, um, maybe not in I guess the top six, but anything outside of that. It wouldn't be too surprising to see him in that side. So, look, I don't think it's uh, it's anything revolutionary to to hear fans crying for crying out for him to start in the in the first eleven. And I think all we're doing is seeing the the signs that he's starting to actually build that that fitness and and go into the the playing role that uh, that we've expected of him. I mean, the, the only other thing that I guess would be worth considering here is, and it was a little bit different under Shotter, but we do have or we did have a plethora of midfield options and I think it was very much a case of of the manager working out what formation and what, you know, suitability, um, how to play too far. And I think that was probably a, a large reason as to why, um, you know, it, certainly under a senior we haven't seen him playing 90 minutes. Yeah, and it's it's easy to forget. I mean, he's only just turned 27, I think. Um, it wasn't that long before he signed for Watford that I think Liverpool were linked to him. So you say sort of, you know, Premier League clubs and, and he is that sort of calibre player if he gets up to his best. And he's certainly come on in leaps and bounds this season in terms of fitness and, and contributions, even though, as you said, it was the sort of case that he he looked so dynamic and and uh, mm-hmm. involved in those early games. Like I remember the Burnley game, I think he, he ran onto an Oscar through ball and yeah. you sort of think, that, that those sorts of performances are there for him. Um, we, we just have this plethora of attacking talent, though. I mean, um, we're talking in the in the chat beforehand. When, when you consider that we've got Ebioe, Traore um, coming back to fitness soon, Tete coming back from his suspension in a couple of weeks, uh, and then, as you mentioned before, the birthday boy, Aaron Connolly, uh, coming up to full fitness, his performance, you know, we saw... We saw elements of it against Chef United as well. I thought he had a really outstanding game that day as well. Um, but his ability to just take the ball out of the air, uh, the, the chance that he had before his first goal, even where he sort of brings the ball down, gets past the defender and takes that sort of snapshot almost. Um, it was just a terrific performance from him. And, and he and you know, from all indications, he's just going to get better. He just appears incredibly determined. I mean, I've listened to the last two uh, post-match interviews with him and he is just someone who 
you know, seemingly has a, a huge amount of respect for for Rosinha and his, you know, managerial um, philosophy and skills. But, um, you know, as you mentioned, it was only his 23rd birthday. Uh, so he is someone who, despite not having the most, you know, kind of um, impressive goal-scoring record, um, he's obviously a player that, that warrants a, a great amount of promise, which is why we've we've seen him reach the heights and, and be signed for the clubs that he has, um, you know, previously. But... I think, you know, that performance on Saturday evening or uh, you know, Saturday evening our time uh, was was one that just really speaks to, you know, to what uh, certainly scouts and, and other uh, clubs have kind of seen in, um, in in picking him up. And, you know, it's also no surprise that he is a, um, an international representative as well. And I, I really can't wait to see what, uh, what he can do over the remaining few um, or remaining leg of the season because if there's anything, you know, like the, the the quality of touch that we saw from him in that third goal and and one well, and how cool the finish was in the first goal as well, um, you know, he looks like we've got uh, quite a player. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, you talk about the fact that he sort of struggled at his previous few clubs. Um, I saw or I heard, I think, uh, Fletch on the commentary saying, you know, he's already equaled his tally for Middlesbrough after just a couple of games for us. Um, I did happen to see that Marcus Force got a goal for Borough as well uh, at the same time. And you think it's funny how that works out sometimes that Force really struggled with us last season. Connolly struggled with them last season. You swap the clubs and and you know, granted, swap the managers as well, or change the managers as well. Um, but all of a sudden, they're both thriving in their new environment. So it's funny how that sometimes works out. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, you know, there's players that uh, Josh King's one that comes to mind. Yep. Um, Shiba Akpom as well. Shiba Akpom as well, yeah, yeah. absolutely flying. And actually, the other one that um, that maybe could be in that same category is um, is Marty Waghorn as well. So we've we've seen it happen in uh, in previous years, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, look, the other player I wanted to, to mention, um, and it, it, sort of a precursor to my votes as well, but um, I thought Sean McLaughlin at the back was outstanding. Yeah. There was a particular sort of section of the game um, where it was it was particularly highlighted. I think QPR's left back went off injured and they hadn't yet made the replacement. And we clearly just thought we'd target that side whilst they were down to the 10 men. He, he blasted a couple of really accurate long balls across across field to Christie and just knocking him on the chest and um you know he, he's his confidence on the ball he, he reminds me a lot in terms of uh Harry Maguire or even uh, Michael Dawson as well in terms of that sort of ball playing center back who can just play those really long accurate through balls um and you know he's just he's just coming on in leaps and bounds every week I think you know you've already kind of touched on it as well Alex it's not just that but the the competition for places now we're really starting mm. to see a, a a squad that that is beginning to have an identity and you know each player offers uh like very different attributes and i think Rosinha is now kind of now that he's come in with a very clear identity of what he wants to to play you can see that the players are buying into that and you know on on some days that might not be that particular chess piece i guess that's used and i don't know i just feel like that hasn't necessarily been the the state of what we've seen in city over the kind of the last few years, or certainly as as we've been fans, it's very much been a, a case of this is our best eleven if they're fit. That's almost who we'll play. There hasn't been a whole lot of chopping and changing. We've just <laughs> been uh, been blessed with a lot of injuries. I would I would say that's that's opened up opportunity. But now um, there really does seem to be this sense of of a full squad and and seeing what what kind of brand of football can be played. Um, and so. 
uh, I think it's it's an exciting time, uh, not just for the for the fans, but also the the playing group to actually see this level of competition to get into the side, um, and and hopefully that does translate to you know better performances. Yeah, no doubt. Um, well, look, so I'll, I'll run through my votes for the game and, and then I'll grab yours. But I thought it was hard to look past uh, Connolly for the three votes, the two goals, the all-round performance. I thought he was absolutely outstanding. Uh, look, you know, I mean, there's half a dozen players you could cast votes for um, for the other two. Um, I think, you know, a player we haven't really mentioned but um, sort of shouted out after the Sheffield United game. I thought Seri had another outstanding game, but uh, missed out on votes on this occasion. Um, I've gone Christie for the two votes. I thought... Um, you know, his work to set up that goal for Connolly in the first case, um, his play on that right-hand side, um, he, he's he's turning out to be, you know, as a free signing that we picked up sort of, I can't even remember, I think it was almost, might have been outside the window. I think it was just a free agent signing that we picked up. Ha- has really um, transformed our, our sort of our attacking impetus from defence. Um, and then a one vote I gave to McLaughlin. I, you know, you sort of referenced it before. I, I would have given the one vote to Elder, but I think I'm almost reverse biased against him where I feel like, oh, I don't want to give him the vote because I'll feel biased. But look, he's pretty stiff to miss out. I think he had a terrific game as well. Yeah, look, Alex, I think that I don't have any shame when it comes to this and I will give him my (laughs) my one vote uh, because he was outstanding. And as you mentioned, I guess Seri was was another honourable mention who who definitely could have uh, got a a point purely for that audacious long ball. Um, And I know that he did a lot more on the night, but it was just, uh, it was just a, a brilliant ball and made to look even better by Connolly's touch. So I think it's very hard to, to make a case that Connolly doesn't get the three points. Um, it was an unbelievable brace and just uh, like, as we talked about the, the optimism that I now have around him based on not just that 90 minutes, but as you mentioned, probably the, the knock before against, um, against Chef United, but he would have my three points. And I agree. I thought Christie is just, um, he's such an exciting prospect to watch go forward. Uh, he, he looks kind of fearless. And yes, of course, like he loses the ball every now and then. But as you mentioned, that move that he put on to, uh, to create that assist, it, it was almost so quick that the, it felt like the TV camera kind of adjusted. Yeah. And like as a, as a fan, you almost moved your head past and had to do a double take. So, um, you know, fair play to him, a, an excellent uh, performance. So he got my two as well. But I said, Callum Elder can have my one vote and uh, that will put you at ease. You can hedge your Good bet. stuff. Good stuff. Brilliant. Uh, well, look, we'll talk about the uh, transfer window now. It does shut uh, tomorrow morning our time and today, uh, if you're listening over in the UK. Um, sounding like it could be a reasonably quiet end to the window. I think there's been a few links to players, you know, Harry Toffolo, KLP as well, uh, potential loan bid. Neither of those look like happening. I think Toffolo's now signed over in Belgium with Anderlecht. Um Carl Darlow is the main one I think is going to come in and, and it's, it does sound like a funny one. I hope we've already got all the paperwork signed and lodged and it's just a case of, yeah, I think he's coming over after they've got their league cup semi-final second leg tonight uh, and he's going to drive up or fly up to, to Hull after that. Um, so I'm hoping it doesn't go to penalties or anything like that and, you know, have a tight finish, but I, I assume everything's all done on that one. It's just going to be the announcement. Um are you, are you, I mean, looking back on it, then you've kind of got the three incomings in Darlow as a keeper to give Ingram competition. You've got Connolly, who we've just been talking about, and uh, Malcolm Ebioe, who we'll hopefully see a bit of against Cardiff. But look, I think that was probably the main business we, we wanted to do in the window. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, the, the romanticising the idea of KLP coming home, even if it is just on a loan spell, is, is always something that 
particularly a club like ours, the fans will get behind and and entertain because you know it would be something special. But uh, as you mentioned, it it seems incredibly unlikely at this point. And I think all all our things considered, it's been a, a really promising uh, transfer window, especially when you when you think about the fact that we still haven't seen Traore yet. Um, and we've got, you know, Tede waiting in the wings who hasn't really played much football for us at all considering the injury and then, unfortunately, the suspension. So it, it's got a lot a lot of a feel where there's, you know, somewhat half a new squad coming in, or not a half a new squad, but it's a bit, bit of an exaggeration, but there's definitely some new faces or what feels like new signings to add to the players that we've added in the transfer window. And it, it feels like a really complete squad. I don't think there's any gaping holes or, or particular, um, you know, positions that we're crying out for that if, if that wasn't filled, we'd be, be in all sorts. So, you know, we've, we've sung the, the manager's praises and we've, we've sung the owner's praises. Uh, but I, I think it really speaks to, you know, another tick in the, in the adjourned box of, of actually, you know, backing the club and, and providing the manager with what, you know, he deems uh, to be required for his squad. So, you know, fair play. Um, the only other one, I guess I should mention, I think I've seen that we're trying to get Xavier Simons in on a permanent deal. Um, yeah. I would guess that that's basically just to ward off the... I think I've even heard Burnley and a few others in Millwall as well are interested in trying to get him on loan or on a permanent from Chelsea because mm. uh, he hasn't played for Chelsea yet this season, so he can go to another club. Um you know, it's hard to judge him too much given his limited game time. He did look brilliant against Fulham in the FA Cup. Uh, if we can get a permanent deal done for that, I, I don't see any issues with that. Um, I guess I just want to think, you know, what's his, I guess, um, pathway into the eleven or, or into our team going forward? Yeah, that's right. And I think that that's probably... What they'd be weighing up, um, we don't have the luxury, as you said, of, of seeing too much of him. I'm sure that they would have seen a lot of him on the training ground and, and certainly when they scouted him or, or decided to take him on loan in the first place. Um, you know, I'm sure the managerial staff have got a, a fairly good idea of, of what they expect from him and, you know, I guess they've got their prospective uh, idea or plan of, of how he may fit and, uh, you know, we'll leave that to the, the people that know a lot more about football than we do. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it'd be nice to uh, tune in to Deadline Day tomorrow and have a little bit of excitement. So we'll see if uh, anything happens on that front uh, tomorrow. But uh, cool. Okay, well, we'll we'll preview the Cardiff game in a second. We'll do our game of who am I first, if you're good to go for that. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. So I made 156 league appearances for City and I scored 16 goals. I always feel like... Instead of getting the next clue, I should just have a random stab. Um, 16 goals. Mm. Okay, so I'm, I think I'm likely looking for, for some level of, of midfielder or perhaps a, a wing back. Um, no, I, I'm just going to go against myself here. I've got nothing. Give me the next clue. No worries. All right. I, uh, I joined City initially on loan in 2012, so that would have been under Bruce, uh, and then signed permanently in 2013 before departing in 2018, uh, which would have been Atkins, I think, and I signed for Reading. Oh, okay. Um, signed for Reading. 
Mm, you have to give me one more. So I played as a central midfielder. I, I did sometimes fill in at right back um, and I wore the number seven. Oh, uh, this is Stephen Quinn. No, but very close. Oh. You're in the right ballpark. Um, from yeah, actually, that's a good point as well because he joined Reading as well, didn't he? Yeah. Actually, there's oh, three. There's, wait, wait, go for it. There's, there's three the Irish players that signed for Reading. I feel like Paul McShane did a stint at Reading as well, perhaps. He he was the other one. It's actually the third Irish player, if you can think of who the third one. So was. it has to be it has to be David Myler. It is, yeah. yeah. The David only remaining Myler. one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so I think and, yeah, I was just thinking that as I said that, that yeah, I think McShane left first and joined Reading and then or actually McShane and Quinn might have joined at the same time and then Myler a couple of years later. And so I guess what makes that one kind of difficult is I don't think from memory uh, David Myler accomplished too much in Reading. I'm not sure if he – No, he didn't, yeah. He didn't play too many games, but, um, yeah, that – You forget that he was there, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I, so, actually, um, I actually just finished reading his um, autobiography and he had some interesting comments about his time at Reading in terms of, um, I guess, the, the the culture around the club. But he, he did say, like, the fact that McShane and Quinn were there really did help – um, but I think he had a couple of injury issues as well. And, and so he went out to Coventry at the time in League One on loan. Um, but I think uh, Reading basically said to him, you've got no future here and, and wanted to tear his contract up, um, which was a bit of a shame. But, yeah, you know, he, he retired at 30, which is yeah. remarkably young. Um, but there you go. Yeah, David Myler. Uh, good stuff. I, I realised, yeah, when you said Quinn, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot. I completely forgot that, like, all three of them went to Reading, um, which is a funny one. Yeah, I and think that, around the same time. One of the things that I do remember about uh, David Milo, apart from the fact that he's a, a FIFA god, um, and and <laughs> I think he played one of the the highest levels out of any of the professional football players. I think he was, uh, you know, very quality when it came to you know using the controller. Uh, but also, I, I know the affiliation that, as you mentioned, that he had with City. I know that he still likes a lot of. City tweets and he's quite vocal in um, you know in his love for the club and and very fond of his time there. So uh, you know it's it's really nice to see that that kind of old boys culture that well certainly the Irish and English players that played there under Steve Bruce that it it really had more of a of a long lasting kind of appeal rather than just the the few years that they were there. And um, yeah, it's it's really nice to hear how fondly he speaks of the club. Yeah, well, he, I think he still lives in Hull. Um, I think yeah. he said he, he lives in Hull and he now goes to the games with his kids and the kids his kids are growing up as City supporters, which is pretty awesome yeah. to hear. And, you know, mm-hmm. maybe in a year or two when we're, we're in the Prem with uh, Rosie still as the manager, maybe there'll be a spot as an assistant manager for him, um, which would be pretty cool. Um, we'll see how that all goes. Um, okay, well, we'll talk Cardiff now. And speaking of managers, they have just appointed um, their new manager, um, Lamushi, who was the former Forest manager. Um, after sacking Mark Hudson, after, I don't know, four or five months in charge, he um, only took charge during this season as well. Um, on, a, on a pretty bad run of form um, with no wins in five, three draws, two losses. Uh, and we did manage to beat them last time we played them this season. Um you know, it's an, it's a second game in a row at home, having kind of got the monkey off the back against QPR. This has got to be a game that we're looking at and just licking our lips, really. Well, you would think so, but I guess we've <laughs> uh, we've become very accustomed to to not doing that because we know once you head down that path, the uh, 
the result usually ends up in a, a grand total of zero points. And so, True. you know, with, with that in mind, I think it's uh, it's probably one of the more, um, you know, dangerous games given the fact that on paper it's probably one that we haven't said too many times this season is is very winnable or, or maybe should be should be won. Uh, I guess the one of the things that you may like to consider here is Cardiff have probably had many nightmares uh, of, of Regan Slater since, you know, the last yeah. uh, performance. And so... Hopefully, uh, you know, that, that hoodoo for them continues and he's able to, to go back and, and haunt them yet again. But, um, you know, I think that's probably one of the more memorable games this season uh, to, to come back and snatch that result. And given the form that we've, you know, been showing as of late and particularly the last two performances, um, there's no reason why we shouldn't be incredibly optimistic and, um, and hope to go in and build on, you know, last, last weekend's victory. Well, thankfully, we won't be experiencing the new manager bounce too severely because they do play Luton uh, tomorrow morning. Um, so it'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see how they fare in that one. Um, yeah, look, it'll it'll be an interesting fixture. I think, as you say, it's the manner of our last two performances or even really the last stretch of performances that really mm-hmm. should give us a bit of confidence heading into this one, um, particularly the manner of the win against QPR uh, and, and, you know, Connolly's form and, and so on. You know, it's really interesting to think, that uh, in our last couple of games, Oscar hasn't been on the score sheet mm. and, and he's been such a prolific or such a reliable element of our attack so far. So it'll be interesting to see how he fares against Cardiff because you sort of feel like he's uh, he's probably overdue um, a contribution on the score sheet in that one. Um, do you see any need to change the lineup for this one? I mean, I, you'd probably look at maybe if Greaves is fit, whether you try and fit him in, but otherwise probably go the same eleven. Yeah, look, I'd be really surprised if there if there were any changes made, unless there's you know anything tactically that that Racine sees. I, I mean, the the luxury of of having all these you know, particularly these these strike players to to kind of toy with. Um, you know, you could you could surprise them with almost anything, and uh, I guess that that will be the only real possibility outside of the you know whether whether Graves is fit. Like, there's no there's no reason to to kind of go and change a winning squad. But more than anything, I think it's the fact that, as we said, this, this whole idea of building an identity uh, is is something that Rosinia will want to continue. So to keep chopping and changing a squad frequently um, is probably something that he will, you know, seek to avoid if possible. So, yeah, I, I don't think there'll be too much change and I'd be more than happy to see the, the same 11 uh, begin the game. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and I think for me... The, the, the main one I'd be looking forward to is hopefully seeing um, Ebioe on the bench and, and potentially seeing him get a sort of 20, 30-minute cameo towards the end of the game. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, you know, one that the fans will be will be very excited to see. And, um, you know, I guess the other big question for me is, you know, <laughs> but now that the hype that surrounds Connolly after the last weekend, if, if he was able to get on the score sheet again, um, then straight away you've got a, a real real fight for those positions up top. And, you know, with with Tede coming back, it's like someone's got to miss out and that's when it gets a really interesting uh, headache for, for Liam Rossinho. Yeah, I, I've seen a few comments because I think uh, Bournemouth have made uh, Siriki Dembele available uh, for loan to the championship and people saying, oh, you know, maybe we should try and get him. And you sort of think, well, actually, I think we're, we're almost overstocked in attacking positions now when you consider... As you said, once Traore's fit, once Tete's back from his suspension, Abby Oe to come back in, there's just there's there's only so many attacking slots in this. You know, Pelkus as well. We haven't mentioned him, but Pelkis. he's supposedly meant to be fit for the Stoke fixture, which is um, the following weekend. But 
you sort of think there's there's only so many positions on the pitch to, to fit all these guys in. Well, and absolutely one of the, the greatest luxuries that, that we could have as City fans. It's, it's not something that we are used <laughs> to seeing of having a, a host of attacking options. So um, I, you just got that feeling that these these next couple of fixtures are, are crucial. Um, I, I mean, looking at the leg ladder now, it's five points difference between yeah. uh, you know us and, the, us and the top six. And, and that just seems remarkable um, from considering where we were placed a couple of weeks ago. So... Um, you know, it's, it's been a sneaky good period for us. I know that there's been a lot of draws in there, but it's amazing what a what a couple of wins over the next few games could do. And um, when you think about the the type of players that we've got in our arsenal or about to join it, um, it's going to be an exciting period of football. Yeah, we've got uh, Tete due back against Norwich in a couple of weeks, which will be an absolutely um, blockbuster game to look forward to. But look, we don't want to look too far ahead too quickly. Uh, we've got Cardiff this weekend, first of all. Um, what's your score prediction for it? Look, I, I know that this sounds like a, a contradiction today, um, but this is definitely a game we should win. And although I know the danger in being extremely positive, I, I can see us winning this one. And I think we're going to win 2-0. Um, I've found that when I tip us to draw, we do actually pull off the win. I finally um, capitulated in our um, Facebook group tipping and, and went with the 1-1 draw for, for the QPR fixture and we won it. So I'll uh, keep the superstition going. I'll say it'll be a 1-1 draw and hopefully that means we'll bring home the three points. Um, but we'll see how we go. It'll be a, an exciting game to look forward to. So, look, thank you for joining me for this one. My pleasure, Alex. Good to be here. No worries. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. We'll be back this time next week to review the Cardiff game and look ahead to Stoke. But until then, come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Oz. The music was created by Amber and Black. Tigers are roaring and destiny's calling Cause now is the time Yeah, the city's on fire We're going higher and higher There's no turning